We're happy to be working with Parlay. It's time for some new fresh faces who are passionate about this space to start to garner audience and, and garner some respect amongst people who are within the field. It's a great partnership between the two of us. We offer the linear side. We can both kind of grow together and tap into each other's resources and become a pain in the butt for some of the bigger ones who are trying to, to make some hay in the space. They can't do a wagering gaming programming schedule 24 hours a day like you can. So that's the advantage that you're going to have. The timing is perfect for us. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on Twitter Spaces. Follow Gaming News CA on Twitter to join the live audience. Welcome back, everybody, to the uh, Gaming News Canada show. Steve McAllister here from Parlay Media Group and Gaming News Canada. And uh, an awful lot to cover over the next uh, 55 minutes or so. And uh, so uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome, Will, Will, you back. And and also, we'll start the show, Will. I just saw on Facebook yesterday that you and uh, you and Mara celebrated your 20th anniversary yesterday. So very, very happy anniversary to you, to you both to, to kick off the show. Thank you most graciously. I'll accept your congratulations. You should probably send condolences to her, thoughts and prayers uh, over uh, two decades of, of misery with me. Yes, uh, that card is already en route, uh, Will. So no, no worries about that. Um, and while we're in congratulatory mode, uh, as we mentioned in the newsletter this week, and, and while we have um, Nick Salsky from Points Bet Canada, Nick, uh, was, I saw the ribbon cutting for the uh, for your offices in Toronto uh, either yesterday or Tuesday. So congratulations to you and uh, Scott Evanduel, um, Chantal Cipriano, and everybody everybody else at, at Points Bet. As I, I mentioned to somebody, I can't remember if it was you or, or um, I think it was may, maybe Pat Eichner that I noticed by the pictures and. Very astute, the staff tonight not let you anywhere near the scissors for that ribbon cutting. Yeah, people people have uh, gotten to know to to make sure that I'm uh, I'm away from sharp objects pretty quickly. That's uh, it's part of our employee handbook, as a matter of fact. No, it's been it's been a, it's been an awesome week. I'm actually I'm actually here in the office today, which is uh, which is which is pretty fun. But it's great. It's right at Queen and John. We're like a stone's throw away from the, from the much music building or for the, the city building. It's uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's invigorating to actually be in an office with, with everybody. Um, like to, to what Will was saying about, you know, being stuck behind a computer screen for a couple of years. I mean, shit, when I, you know, the last company that I built monkey and I fight by the time we sold, I'd only met seven people face to face. Right. Which is insane to think. And now we're sitting here in an office with like over 50 people. It's uh, it's exciting. So, Thanks for that, Steve. 315 Queen Street. Just 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 come and say hi. You got good snacks? <laughs> we 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 actually we had Diwali on on Monday. We celebrated that as well. Ooh. And uh, so we still have a plethora of phenomenal fruit and uh, and Indian uh, and Indian uh, delicacies. Just hopping in the car samosas. right now. There you go, Gavin. There you go, man. <laughs> Hey, Nick, I, I want to ask you and uh, Amanda Brewer from Kindred Group, but uh, Amanda, I'll start with you. Like, is there a sense, and I know I know your staff is a little smaller than Nick's in Toronto, but is there a sense that things are somewhat back to normal in terms of having people in at the office, or are you still doing a majority of your work uh, remotely? No, we've been, I think, full-time in the office. Well, not full-time five days, but back in the office since May, um, and we are a smaller team here. Um but yeah, it's been really great. Um, we actually are in the same building that uh, Rush Street is in, so <laughs> um, it's been a nice. It's it's been nice to know that there are so many of the operators who've converged downtown. But it's not a big surprise. We're right in between the entertainment and the financial districts downtown, 
And yeah, it's just, it's just nice to see the life come back. And when I'm down in the path or I'm walking down the streets here and see lots of people around, it's, it's finally feeling like we've kind of turned the corner into learning to live with, uh, you know, COVID and the aftermath of COVID versus, you know, everything we've been through. So fingers crossed for continuing to move in that direction. Yeah. Same story for you, Nick. Yeah. I mean, we're, we we're pretty flexible uh, by way of like how many days we want people in the office, but you know um, I, I think most people are coming in three days, um, you know, mostly Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays. And uh, no, it's been great. You know, having, you know, having a boardroom and, and physically being with each other, talking through things, going through whiteboards, you know, we have, we're getting, you know, the cable feeds up. So our, our trading team, obviously, because we have, you know, we do a lot of our trading here actually in the city for, for, our, for our Canadian product. You know, we walk upstairs to our, to our trading room and there's games going on. Like it, there's, there's an energy around it, right? So yeah, it's, 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 it's super fun so far. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear, uh, Nick, especially for an old newsroom guy who appreciates the, the, how important and how great it is to have that have that buzz. Hey, but before we get uh, before we get Anthony Chaconi in here, I just want to I want to run through some headlines because there is a lot to talk about this week. And uh, and just quickly too, I just got alerted that uh, Mark Silver and his wife Shauna also celebrated their 20th anniversary today. So, Mark, congratulations to you and Shauna, and you're you're a, a good and very brave man for hopping hopping into Twitter spaces on on your milestone anniversary. So. Uh, mention that as well. Um, want to run quickly through some he- headlines of a really busy week in the industry here in, in Ontario and Canada. Um, if you didn't see the announcement yesterday, Steve Rapp talked a bit about this last week, but, but, but Pinnacle joined uh, joined Amanda, Nick, and the other regulated players in the Ontario market yesterday with with Pinnacle Sports going uh, going live. Uh, we had the announcement from Saskatchewan Indian and Gaming Authority this week that uh, they're going to finally launch their legal online sports betting and gaming business November 3rd through the BCLC's Play Now product. Hopefully an encouraging sign for bricks, the bricks and mortar sports book business in Ontario. We, we saw this week that Canby uh, has announced a partnership with Great Canadian Entertainment. So that's certainly a story where we continue to follow and Amanda and Will and others have talked about on the spaces uh, quite quite often uh world series of poker announced that they have an online bracelet series for ontario players they, that announcement's come out over the past week um iGaming ontario in addition to the the pinnacle announcement uh they also announced on monday i believe that uh twhg that they've now launched eight online casino brands in the province so i think the uh Amanda or Nick, you might might correct me, but it looks like I think we're up to about fifty three websites now that are offering regulated game, sports betting and gaming in the province. Does that sound right, Amanda? I, I can't keep up anymore. There's been a flurry because everyone knows the thirty first is the cutoff date, right? So um, no surprise, a bunch have come in, but uh, I've I've stopped counting and what's coming in now are not known entities to me and that's not a knock against them. It's just their brands I've, I've never interacted with uh, before. So yeah, great to see. And my understanding is that Martha Otten told everyone at G2, either approximately 40 operators in the queue. Um, so that would indicate there's still a bunch more that are still going to come through. And yeah, I, it's, it's, it's as, as I think as crowded a marketplace as Nick and myself predicted it would be when we launched back in April. So, yeah. 
great to see. And that is spot on. It's been a crazy week with everybody kind of coming in behind the 31st, for sure. Yeah. Hey, hey Steve, just a quick one for Amanda. Maybe you would know Amanda. Is What, what are we at in, like, a New Jersey, for example, um, uh, compared, comparatively? Like, we're 53 operators you can't here. compare to Jersey because Jersey's a tethered state, right? You have to right. tether to one of the land-based casinos, so that automatically limits right. the number of operators in the market. And because Canada, as you know, like we've been talking about, Canada has been gray, which means they had an entrenched gray market for a very long time. And, you know, for a province at this point to say, yeah, we're going to tether uh, doesn't really do much to get rid of a gray market. So, you know, Time will tell if another province decides to follow Ontario, but there's no comparison to Jersey just for that that one point alone. So is there another comparison that you would say Ontario has a lot or not that many compared to what we thought it would be? Uh, yeah, thanks for putting me on the spot. Not in North America. Um, I, and that was sort of the point when Ontario launched. Okay. We predicted it was going to be the most competitive jurisdiction just because it launched with a full gaming and sports spending a lot of the u.s states have gone sports only um and it's not limiting the number of operators or restricting the number of operators in the market which again is different than a lot of the u.s states so right now there's not any comparables but there will be some states that are going to go full um full casino you know coming yeah. soon so we'll, we'll wait and see but for now ontario remains a unique outlier with in north america right hey, so fair hey, to hey, say Jack, we're as competitive uh, mar- we're as cluttered a market as anywhere right now in terms of a, a gaming yeah, market i mean gavin i think and man and not to jump on you but i think that i think pennsylvania is probably the closest comparable and they launched I want to say two months before the Ontario market because they have iGaming, they have book and casino. I think Ontario right now has over three times the amount of operators in Pennsylvania. Um, so I, I think that it's safe to say that Ontario is the most competitive uh, jurisdiction in all of the in all of the the U.S. right now from an iGaming perspective. Good stuff. Um, also, just mentioned a couple of other things. Uh, Rivalry, the Toronto-based uh, sports betting company and gaming operator, and they announced this morning uh, a partnership with Low Six on a on a esports free-to-play Peckham game. And we're we're hoping we're going to have Stephen Saltz from uh, from Rivalry join us in a couple of weeks here in, in Twitter Spaces. And then the last thing I'll, I'll mention is that uh, really big earnings week, and um, I'm not going to put Nick on the spot, but but PointsBet was among the uh, the companies who uh, who released their their latest quarterly earnings this week and so we do uh we do highlight those in the newsletter and as always i'm i'm very happy to steer people that scott longley and jake pollard that the earnings and more newsletter do a, a cracker job on on those earnings reports so um if you want to dig a little bit deeper into into those earnings i really recommend that you uh, subscribe to the earnings and earnings and more newsletter to get that get that insight from from them um, I think while we're waiting, uh, we're still waiting for on Anthony uh, Ciccone from Anthem Sports and Entertainment to join us to t- talk about uh, the partnership with Parlay Media Group that was announced on Tuesday morning. But, uh, man, I mean, I get your thoughts. We went back and forth on this a little bit early in the week, and and that's the uh, Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario um, soliciting feedback on uh, on promotional partnerships and again, this is uh, maybe get you to put your put your Canadian Gaming Association. 
uh, hat on here and, and just walk the listeners through what uh, what that request was all about. Yeah, it was um, really just in anticipation of more promotional partnerships between operators and bars, uh, restaurants uh, coming into being with you know more operators in the market and whether or not it was appropriate for your local neighborhood bar or restaurant to have a temporary or permanent um, branded partnership with an operator and turn their facility into a de facto sports bar um, and what kind of risks came with that. Um, we know the government of Ontario's intention is not for that to be the case. It is not looking to allow OLG to put um, you know, bedding kiosks in every bar, restaurant, you know, corner store across the province. Um, so the AGCO is just, you know, in anticipation of these requests starting to come in, looking for feedback from the industry. And I think it's it's a right thing to do because there are different sensitivities to, you know, a bedding lounge going into the Rogers Center or the Air Canada Center versus, you know, your local you know, loose moose or, you know, fox and, you know, whatever fiddle in, in your local community um, when you're trying to walk in there and have, you know, lunch with your kids on a Saturday afternoon. So it's it's in, in, it's in that spirit that they're soliciting some feedback from the industry. Yeah. And on that, Steve, if you don't mind me jumping in, I, I, I'm, you know, the, the question that I think, um, and, and I appreciate your, your perspective, Amanda. I mean, the, the challenge that I have and the question that I have is, you know, what's the difference if you're walking into a bar that's showing live sports, as we all know, those patrons are going to be inundated with advertising on the television, uh, pushing sports gambling. So the question is, what's the difference between that and a bar or an establishment or even in the way that the consultation papers come out in activation space? Why would those folks not be permitted to try and monetize the experience in a similar way than the same television broadcast companies that are pushing those advertisements into those sports bars already, right? You're not going to be able to gate sports gambling out from those, those, those locations because now people can gamble on their phones. Um, I don't think any bar is thinking about building a retail space right now. So I think that would be the big question that I would ask as a fire truck goes down Queen Street um, <laughs> is, you know, what is the difference and why are you prohibiting uh, bar owners from being able to also participate in the, you know, the, let's face it, the new industry that that's just become, you know, that just launched in April. Um, so that, that would be the big question that I would put back to kind of the AGCO as they're thinking about this. Yeah, Will, did you have any thought, thoughts on this? Do you want to add something here? Yeah, the issue of hospitality is a tricky one, um, and it's been handled differently across Canada, uh, quite frankly, in, in, in Quebec. Um, the reason there's only four casinos and two gaming halls is because a long time ago, the, the, the province decided to put video lottery terminals um, in a whole bunch of bars and restaurants, effectively creating those as gaming establishments. Um, that uh, um, that's that's been in place to the point where uh, the province has actually now set a mandate to pull back on the number of VLTs uh, in bars, restaurants, hospitality settings, etc. Um, it, it's complicated um, because you are, you know, as much as what Nick says is practically correct. I mean, the reality is with with phones being uh, the Uber devices that they are these days, uh, mobile betting is taking place in sports bars. So does that make them sports books? Um, likely not, uh, it, because 
Um, for a sports book, there's a, a whole other level of, of supervision um, and a conformity with regulation that's required um, that might be a difficult uh, uh, hurdle to pass for some of these, these establishments. But uh, um, it will always be thought of because, uh, as Nick says, it is happening. I mean, I used to joke um, uh, pre-2020 um, that the uh, the world's largest unofficial sports book was Real Sports on a Saturday night in, uh, right by Scotiabank Arena because you could see everybody on their iPads and their phones from that balcony upstairs, and they were all on the likes of Bodog, 888, uh, 365, et cetera. Um, but uh, um, it will be an issue that will, will merit some significant attention and will have to be put up against a certain contextual backdrop. That backdrop being that there's a puritanical streak painted right through the populace of, of Ontario um, that, you know, politicians are going to be very sensitive to um, as they, they consider um, the expansion of gambling. And this would be considered an expansion of gambling. Thanks for that, Will. Um, hey, man, just quickly, the, you know, again, the... the moves that we see like the Canby partnership with great Canadian and we've seen some other things happen in the past few weeks is it basically that the companies are lining their ducks up in a row now and expecting that there's going to be some kind of a strategy rolled out from the province at some point in the very near future uh, from your mouth to someone in government's ears Steve yeah the uh, <laughs> last I heard is it's still in government and uh, you know we're all waiting for some answer to come soon but the truth of the matter is they have no infrastructure. I mean, it's no secret that many of these land-based casinos had RFPs out with the operators to partner with them, as many of them do south of the border, to go and put in sports books. And they, the operators were to come in with the, the platform because you need the sports book platform in order to have, especially the mobile um, the mobile sports book. And so Canby, I mean, Unibet uses Canby. It used to be a Canby used to be a Unibet company. Um, so it's no surprise that you've got sort of Mohegan uh, for the Falls View Casinos and Great Canadian signing in anticipation of them being able to build their sports book and launch their mobile sports book products. So that just makes sense. Um, and Canby is, is sort of a no-brainer for them to choose as well. Um, so they'll be well served by those partnerships. But yeah, it's still no word on the retail side. Great. Thanks, Amanda. Um, I want to switch gears here because we, we do have Anthony Ciccone now who's joined us, the uh, Vice President of Operations from Anthem Sports and Entertainment. And uh, welcome, Anthony. We'll, we'll probably get Mark Silver to hop in here too at some point. But toot our own horn for a second here at Parlay Media Group. And our announcement that with Anthem Tuesday morning that our, our Room 442 soccer show is now on uh, the Game Plus Network Monday, Monday to Friday afternoons and a half-hour program that's hosted by James Sharman and, and joined by Sarah Pereira, Albert Vartani, and, and Michael Singh. And, uh, Anthony, this this is really just uh, Room 442 is just the latest addition to, to your uh, programming and, and you guys getting a bit more into the uh, into programming around gaming and sports betting and daily fantasy sports. Yes, but thanks, Steve, for having me on and uh, happy to be participating in this with the Parlay team and, and the people who are listening. I got to say this is my first... Uh, Twitter uh, conference, I guess, experience. Um, very interesting. Um, yeah, listen, we've been, th this channel originally was launched as, as the Fantasy Sports Network, you know, seven or eight years ago. And we were right. the first ones in the fantasy space doing this kind of content. We were producing eight hours a day of original content out of our studios. So for us to start to go down, you know, we what we realize is, you know, gaming and wagering is a, is a popular niche. And 
and it's the hot button can these days. And we are, you know, we are adding more and more of that content to our, to our uh, daily schedule. And we're happy to be working with Parlay. You know, I know Mark and yourself for a long time. And, you know, I worked with James Sharman when we were producing Sports World together way back in the score days and, and happy to be working with James and know him very well and know he's very knowledgeable. And from a personal perspective, you know, soccer has always been a, one of my favorite sports and grew up playing it and follow, follow it closely. So I, I just, uh, you know, putting on my sports media geek hat for a second too, Anthony, I mean, there, there are some parallels with what Parlay's done over the past 18 months and what the score did in its, in its early days, especially in the days when you and, uh, and Dave Rutherford were kind of running the, the yep. editorial ship for John Levy and that's, yep. Uh, developing young talent, and you know, you you had a very very young James Sharman, probably what twenty five years ago, who who showed up uh, showed up at your studios on King Street and and started talking talking soccer. Yeah, you know that was the case, and and I think that's the best model if you want to try to grow your business and try to be original um, and to get people to follow you, and you have to be authentic. And I think you know when you're we're developing new talent, authenticity, and 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 really knowing the sports. Um, genre and, and the sports themselves is important to gain credibility. You know, for us, it was that's who it was. You know, it was a young James Sharman, it was a young Tim Tim McAuliffe, and a young Sid Sixero and Cabby, and some of those guys that we grew up together with, um, grew up and and grew the network with. And I think you have the right approach. I think you know it's it's time for the the some new fresh faces who are passionate about this space um, to start to you know garner garner audience and, and garner some respect amongst people who are within the field and listening to them to try to, you know, be honest, they're out there because they want to make some money. I'm going to get Mark Silver on here, but just before Mark, before you hop on, just as always, if anybody has any questions, I know, I know Luch is, uh, Luch is up to as well. We'll give him a chance to, to comment in a second here, but if anybody has a question for Anthony or a comment, please just put, put up your hand and request to, to speak and we'll add you to the room. But Mark, I'll, I'll turn the microphone over to you for a second. Yeah. Thanks, even Anthony. Thanks for hopping on. I mean, yeah. I, I think, the opportunity that we pursued here with Anthony and the, and the team at Anthem, um, I'm going to say we sat on it. We sat on it for a long time. Anthony made the offer in August of 2021, if I remember it correctly. And, you know, me being, you know, this entrepreneur trying to build it myself with, with our team, I kind of put on the back burner and said, let's figure out if we could do this ourselves. And then, you know, as we evolved and launched and the market opened and we got our foundational partnerships, and then, of course, when when James decided that uh, he still had some unfinished business with uh, with being you know one of Canada's leading voices to follow the the game of soccer globally, we're like, okay, you know, there, there, there's a lot of similarities here with values and, and how we look at the world, and we're, we're we're thrilled that you know when we did reengage with Anthony, he was still interested in working with us. And we're very well, excited. I, I- for everything. I, I, felt, I felt bad for James. I wanted him to get back on TV, to be honest. So <laughs> <laughs> fair, very fair. Hey, Anthony, just uh, again, just to talk a little bit about what you guys have done in Anthem and and what we're doing at Parley, and I think the parallels with the score again, where when when the score started more than twenty years ago, there was a feeling as why do we need a third sports network and. Uh, you know, at the beginning, I think you guys were where the perspective was that you guys were going to just provide a ticker service and, and some highlights and that was going to be it. And when John Levy sold the company, by the time he sold the company, 
uh, you know, thanks to people like yourself and Dave Rutherford, we you had some of the young stars of the industry moving on to those major networks. And to this day, a lot of those people are working in the business. Uh, you look at someone like a Greg Sansoni, who's in a yeah, leadership yeah. position now with Sportsnet. I mean, you were you were a training training ground. Adnan Burke, another one who took you know took yep, his yep. talent south of the border. So uh, you were uh, you proved that there there was room for a third sports network, and and what you guys could be different from TSN and Sportsnet, and you could be successful doing that. Yeah, and I, you know, and I think you know, um, it, it's it's a great opportunity for you guys uh, to to really make a mark in the space. A lot of the people that are coming into this territory are not from this territory. You guys have been in the broadcast field. You've got a very experienced senior leadership team. You've worked on the big, you've worked on the big networks. You've worked on the smaller networks. You've worked in the digital space and the web space and you have all the experience in the world. And now it's just a matter of, you know, you have to just invest in, invest in what you're doing, believe in what you're doing and just keep going forward, creating new talent and, and you know, creating programming that's different. Um, and entertaining that people want to watch and not the same old, same old that they're seeing now. Listen, you have an open concept where, you know, you can provide this information 24 hours a day. The major channels can't. And that was the niche that we had. You know, they were, they're stuck in, not stuck, but their priorities are the live games. And the live games take up a lot of their schedule. They can't, they can't do a wagering gaming uh, programming schedule 24 hours a day like you can. So that's the advantage that you're going to have. And that's just going to take time to cultivate and, and hopefully you're going to create the next Adnan Burks and, and Greg Sansonis and Tim's and Sid's with the likes of Albert Bartanian and some of the other people that you have there that I already, you know, I've, I've taught some of them actually at school and some of them actually worked yes. for us as well. So um, I think it's a great partnership between the two of us. You know, we offer the linear side. We also offer the, some digital components to what we're doing. Um, we can both kind of grow together and tap into each other's resources and, and you know, become a pain in the pain in the butt for some of the bigger ones who are trying to trying to make some hay in the space. Hey, I want I want to get Luch in here because Luch, I'm not sure if you got a, a question for Anthony or, or a comment. Yeah, actually, I, you know, I've, I've known Cheech for a while now, and good to hear hear your voice, Cheech. Nice always. to hear from you, Tony. Um, How are you, buddy? <laughs> do we have Do we have Cheech and Luch on? Cheech and Luch <laughs> sounds, like sounds like a podcast. podcast. We're, we're, if that doesn't make we're, its we're, own. That's a, that's its we're, own we're show. We're waiting for it? Chong to show up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I want to ask sure. Chief. Listen, I, I mean, is your strategy now at Anthem? You know, you're bringing on four four two, which is I think is a great addition for you guys as yeah. well. But how, like, how aggressive are you guys going to get in terms of bringing on other sports? You know, like I, for example, I just started a, a, a podcast with a, an ex TSNer myself. We do a yeah. daily fantasy uh daily fantasy show that we're trying to grow ourselves yeah. and you know so we're, we're looking you know and i know content is king and we're i think we're providing some different uh cool content called the the best damn uh hockey fantasy yeah. podcast so what we're trying to find out is how like how aggressive is anthem going to get in terms of growing other sports whether it be through football nfl hockey, even C CFL at well, all. Well, I think, you know, if you look at our schedule, we're already kind of doing that, right? We've got a, we've got a football show. We've got a hockey show. We've got a, an MMA show that we do, you know, um, that's all across the network already. So we are already expanding into those main, main, uh, main genres, but always looking to add new stuff and, and create more content all the time. So, you know, open, open to look, everybody's, everybody's, playing playing on all the sports that are happening um all the time so you know right. the, the more variety and you can have 
and the, the more content that's that's entertaining and information informative and helps the viewers uh, put a little few bucks in their pocket on their gambling apps, then you know we're obviously open to all of those partnerships, and we believe that's the way to go. We need to partner with the parlays. We need to partner with some of the other people who are doing this kind of content so we can grow together and get the sponsors in the space to kind of put their money where their mouth is and invest in us. That's hey, awesome. Uh, okay, thank you. Thanks, th thanks, Luch. Hey, Anthony, how, how important was it to have a, a soccer presence on Game Plus? Well, with, with guitar around the corner, <laughs> it was pretty pretty important for us to, to tell you the truth. It, it's, um, you know, it, it's a very popular sport. It's a growing sport. It's a very very uh it, it has an audience from young to old um you know with the various leagues and the various players and the worldwide recognition that these leagues and players are getting and now with qatar around the corner and canada actually being in the world cup i never thought i'd see the day where canada was in and italy wasn't but that's another story for another day um but i think you know it's important it's the timing is perfect for us to be honest well, listen, Mark, Mark, you want us some final words here? And uh, Anthony, really, really appreciate your time. Great, great yep. to join us and uh, always enjoy catching up with you. Thanks for having me on. And I hope to see you guys soon. And I wish you all the best. And um, thanks to everybody for having me on. Take care. Thanks, Anthony. Yeah, the I mean, kind of the final words on this, Steve, is that, you know, the World Cup is great. It's obviously a focus for many of us over the next little while. But, uh, you know, Room 442 is, a, is an annual show daily. And we're constantly looking for partners to join us on the journey there. So, uh Looks like we're pretty good for the World Cup window, but uh, you know, starting in the new year, we'll be looking for other partners to focus on whether it's the, the EPL, the Champions League, or the playoffs running into those, the final sorting of the table. So we are we, we are open to talking to partners about their interest in coming on board. Great. Thanks, Mark. Um, we're going to go, go on to another topic here. I asked uh, Connor Clarence, the head of sports from Twitter, to, to join us for a few minutes uh, this afternoon. And uh, Connor, you uh, hoping you can just talk to us a little bit about the event you had this morning, and I know uh, Mark was there along with uh, Justin Pooney and uh, and Kareem Mustafa from from Parlay. But uh, just kind of a neat idea to get uh, some sports media people together and, and talk about the industry a bit. Bet, and I do know from your uh, from your Twitter account that there was a sports betting component to it as well. Thanks for having me on the on this Twitter space as usual, and always good to sort of see Mark and, and the rest of the gang from uh, the parlay there amongst a couple other uh, few members of the industry was, was, uh, was awesome to have you all there. So um, yeah, it was, it was honestly great. feel like it felt like a real sort of like post COVID and um, way to actually like meet people in real life, open up the Twitter office, get people to sort of see what's going on over here. Obviously super slow news time for us. Um, so kind of an interesting, uh, interesting timing uh, in all accounts, but, I think some of the main touch points that we really talked about, um, if I could summarize it, is just like the growth that we've seen in terms of soccer. And we published a slide, and it's all of these sort of slides are uh, truncated into tweets on my profile. So if you want to follow along, you can sort of take a look there. Um, but just like the relative growth of soccer in comparison to hockey in conversation topic on, in Canada. And I think the expectation that we have is that by the end of 2022, soccer will probably become the most talked about sport in Canada uh, when it comes to Twitter. Now, that's the sport conversation as opposed to just simply the league conversation. Like, the NHL still remains king over the MLS or EPL or Champions League or anything like that. And it's all relative in that regard. But we've just seen soccer grow and grow and grow and grow. And then this conversation that will happen around the Men's World Cup in, in November and December will probably be quite large. And 
I mean, my expectation is we'll see it overtake. I mean, we'll, we'll see, and maybe we can readdress in, in January once we have a little bit more of that data. Um, but that's, that's probably one big thing that I think was really quite surprising. Um, and then the next piece was just, there's one of the sort of final things we looked at from a sports betting lens is the relative sort of growth in conversation volume on NFL game days for the sports betting conversation on Twitter. Um, it's just, we published a graph that is the bar graph of conversation volume per day. And you can see specific days like the legalization, April 4th was a big conversation volume spike. And when Calvin Ridley got suspended for sports betting, it was a massive conversation spike. And then you look to September and October of this year and every Thursday, Sunday, Monday, it's uncharacteristically higher than the other days of the week, just because people are talking about um, sports betting, uh, usually in relation to the NFL. And that's, I think, just a, a decent bellwether to um, how this industry sort of seemingly was almost in its infancy for the first two quarters of, of, of sort of April to, to, to now, and really is probably going to pick up steam and, and become a little bit more of a staple. So I think that's, that's more or less what we, what we were really interested in when we, when we shared it. That would probably interest this audience the most. Um, but yeah, if there's any specific questions or anything you wanted me to touch more on, happy to do so. Yeah, I just wonder, uh, just whether it's through the metrics and anecdotally, Carl, like what what kind of betting content do you see when it comes to the NFL? Is it is it uh, the highlights that we see a lot of sports books and betting and Twitter content on Sundays, or is it uh, giving lines before the games? Like, is there do you see any kind of patterns with with the kind of content that that's, that tends to do quite well? It's a great question. Um, one I haven't dug super detailed into. Um, but I, cause we sort of just looked at the overall conversation volume as opposed to sort of specific pieces of that volume. But to your point, like there are so many different types of, um, content pieces that come out, right? Like there's the, there's the content, like, like, a a, a parlay is putting out where it's talking about the odds and the spread and, and potential props and potential bets players can make. There's the content of the, the, the bad beats on the 15 leg parlay or the incredible gains on a $100 bet that, you know, nets out a hundred thousand dollars. And all those things seem to have different, uh, conversation points. I think people, when they come to Twitter, um, in that discovery mindset on Sunday at 1230, just as they're about to place their bets, a lot of the time they're looking for that informational edge. And so some of the conversation volume that happens there where those, those people that can give that advice, um, that typically does quite well pregame and then postgame is a little bit more of that reconciliation or, you know, we just lost all our bets. How do we, how do we make it all up? Uh, how, how do we make it all back during Sunday night football or vice versa? How do we, you know, uh, go double or nothing on Saturday, on Sunday night football, et cetera, et cetera. So that type of content, that how that proliferates across the various sort of types of content within sports betting, um, has yet to be seen as to how, how that war, sort of will split up, split up and what does really well. Um, but I think anecdotally, we're seeing all of it sort of compile and combine to create these massive spikes because it's so time-based and it's so specific to people wanting that information literally moments before kickoff or, liter- or during the game or just after the game. Anybody have a question or a comment that they want to direct towards Connor? I want to say, Connor, thanks for you know hosting us earlier today. It was pretty interesting. I, I will say that I, I love the panel format, and I, and I get kind of the open forum there, but the most interesting conversations happened before and after the panel. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't we can't talk about those all, you know, on the uh, Gaming News Canada show. Connor, yeah. no, yeah, yeah, I think John, yeah, you're John, yeah, sorry. So, Connor, sorry, I just hopped on. I was in a meeting. So, what's your background? Uh, I lead our sports partnerships business at Twitter. Okay. 
So how does the sports Sunday compared to an episode of The Bachelor or Bachelor in Paradise? That's a great question. It's a great question. Uh, I, I sort of usually express our, our, our kind of like our ranked lists in, in a few ways. Um, otherwise, you can see my comms, uh, head of comms, Cam, also on the space. So I got to sort of keep myself a little bit up to date. But we typically, when we look at, uh, at at sports, we'll compare them to like events. So we'll we'll look at hockey compared to soccer versus hockey compared to uh, the NFL, uh, as opposed to hockey versus The Bachelor. Um, gotcha. So a little bit and restrained. You, and, you, sorry, and you said soccer is going to be the number one in Canada on Twitter next year? So where we're sitting right now, and I just sort of published a, a, a tweet thread about it, is um, right now soccer and hockey are pretty neck and neck for the last 365 days in terms of the most talked about sport on Twitter. And that encompasses all leagues of soccer and all types of soccer. So EPL, national teams, people just talking about the sport and soccer, talking about their children playing soccer. And that also relates to hockey um, in the same way. And so what we're seeing is that hockey and soccer, hockey is still a little bit ahead of soccer, but you can see from the graph that I posted, it's really, really close. And so my expectation is that after the Men's World Cup, we may see that shift and that, that soccer may surpass hockey. Um, also may not happen, can't tell the future. Um, but that will be an yeah. interesting sort of bellwether into like all these things that I think we've been hearing in the media about, you know, Canada is a soccer nation, blah, 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 blah. And, and we're sort of seeing, at least on the, the Twitter platform, that actually in a, in a few ways come to fruition. That's really interesting. That's great information. I'm going to follow you now. I appreciate the answer. Cool. Appreciate Thank it. you. Thank you, Frank, for the question. Great. Thanks, John. Great, uh, great questions. Hey, Connor, I know I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, an old fart, so probably don't fit <laughs> quite with your, uh, with, with your demographic. But uh, again, when I, for me, when I think of the second screen experience, I think of watching a, a sporting event and, and having, uh, having my Twitter feed on. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming with, with TikTok now and, and now with, uh, with online sports betting, that dynamics change, and we're probably talking three or four screens for for young sports fans during games. Like, do you see any change? Are you able to see any changes in the way people are consuming sporting events from what you guys are looking at? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Stephen. Uh, I think you're you're not giving yourself full credit. You're you are a great Twitter follow, and I appreciate it. So uh, I'm not sure what you're like on other platforms, but I know on Twitter you're a great follow. Um, I think we as Twitter, when you look at the history of how Twitter's sort of dipped its toe into sports in, in, in length, you know, there was the Thursday Night Football era that we, where we were streaming games on Twitter. But where we've really seen our superpower is we are that companion to a sporting experience. And for a lot of fans, that's, that's watching TV as opposed to being in arena. But we also are a great companion for the in-arena experience as much as we are for the, the, the on-screen experience. Um, and I think that as we look at how fandom develops, it's funny, Adam Seaborn was uh, one of our panelists, and he brought up this great point of, right now, we, we asked him, you know, sports media, if you want to watch everything and you don't have, a, say, a cable or broadcast subscription, you may need CBC Gem, TSN Go, Sportsnet Now, DAZN, you know, Fubo TV, Apple TV Plus, and I'm probably forgetting a few. And that experience of switching streaming platforms is very difficult for a lot of consumers. However, probably over time, that will start to become a little bit more similar to how we feel about switching channels and so you'll be switching from maybe prime video to the zone in the same way that you switch channels currently and so to your point like multiple screens i think what you probably will start to see is people will start to utilize that split screen functionality on their phone um so in the same way that when you're on your computer you're maybe having two tabs open um you know you've got excel in one in one tab and then your google chrome in the other tab 
you may just simply choose to have your your betting information at the bottom so you can follow your bets live but then you also have twitter on the top half of your screen so you're able to follow the commentary and then sort of on a third screen you're, you're watching um whatever you whatever you just bet on so i think to your point exactly it may be less screens but we might be sort of changing the real estate of how those screens are split up um and and we'll see more integration i think uh, a lot of the the, the rogers ignite tvs and bell 5 tvs of the world where they have some of that that information box score style information built into tvs i, I think probably pretty close to a world if it doesn't already exist where you could be starting to see your own personalized betting information into TVs in, in, in a similar way. Uh, and that can start to extend, you know, maybe there's a world where that extends to other platforms and things like that moving forward. Uh, Amanda Brewer, I don't want to put you on the spot here, so I apologize if I do, but is, is that something that the Unibet's following and that, that you're following is, again, just how, you know, where where the where the unibet app fits into it into a game and the different kinds of screens are being followed and how do you you know how do you make make sure that you're a fit in that experience uh that's a little bit beyond my pay grade steve we have an entire acquisition uh based team that does all the digital for us um i'm more concerned about the channels we're using and i have to be honest twitter doesn't really figure in there for us because we're trying to find ways to get visuals to customers and we're trying to find ways to get, you know, the brand out there. So Twitter right now is, is less a channel that we're trying to optimize just for us, but I don't know, there could be other operators for him. That's a important place to be. Yeah, it will. Hell, I just want to give you a chance here. Just again, just because you're an old, old media guy like me, if you have any thoughts or a question for Connor here. I read the uh, the thread earlier, Connor. Thank thank you for that, uh, both online and then coming on here today and, and sharing. It's all very interesting stuff. Reaffirming uh, the value of the NFL as, as a gambling property uh, is no great surprise to me. I've, I've said many times in this show before, uh, that's the greatest source of, of, of gambling interest uh, on both sides of the border, the U.S. Uh, and, and Canada alike. Were there any other surprises? Uh, I mean, that's obviously not surprising, but was there anything for you besides soccer that sort of jumped out as, well, that's a really interesting data point? Yeah, um, thanks, Will. And uh, Amanda, we'll have to chat, and I'll have to convince you that Twitter is a great place to to launch and connect because I think those are there's a that's a missed opportunity. But I totally understand it may not be right for you right now. Um, but yes, Will, to your point exactly, I think what honestly surprised me in a couple ways the general like football and when I say football, I'm talking gridiron football conversation had some nuggets that I was quite surprised about. To be honest, I was surprised at to see the cfl is the second most used hashtag uh and that's no discredit to the cfl it's just it is football is an older demographic the canadian football league is an older demographic twitter is a typically a younger demographic so there's from a conversation standpoint i would have assumed that more um america like nfl hashtags like a bills mafia like a pro bowl vote where fans can you that can, can use to express i thought those would take um, more, they, w- they would be sort of more mentioned than the CFL. So that that was a big surprise. And then also seeing um, two of the team hashtags, so for the W and Ticats, being two of the most mentioned football hashtags, numbers six and seven, were, were that that was also quite surprising. Um, and then I think, you know, there's, there's other bylines that you can read into. Rick Westhead being the fifth most mentioned uh, person in the, in the hockey conversation um, really speaks to sort of the state of hockey in our country. Uh, and all the things that are going on and, and the value of the reporting and, and the things that he's doing there. So 
couple of things like that that were, I think, when you read through it and you sort of look, you, you try to figure out why someone's in that conversation, um, are always always really interesting. And I, I mean, it, it, it makes sense because I'm a Twitter guy and, and, I, and I have the job. It's always interesting to see what conversations use what emojis and which ones they ch sort of choose not to use because um, it's sort of a little bit indicative as to who the conversation is really built around. Yeah, it's funny, uh, funny, Connor, what you were talking there about hockey kind of got me thinking earlier, too, about soccer and, and hockey. I think part of the part of the puzzle with, from a Twitter standpoint, too, is just it just hasn't been what's going on on happening on the field this year with with both uh, soccer and hockey in this country. But it's the dysfunctionality off the off the field or off the ice. And um, I'm sure that's played into the, the metrics you see as well, where, you know, when Rick West has led the way on both the, the Hockey Canada and the Canadian Soccer Association scandals. And again, I think those stories have been very popular among your users. Yeah, I think they're any, anytime developments have come out about sort of all uh, either of the, the, the issues that either one of those organizations um, are facing, that seems to be a popular topic and a, and a place that people talk about it. I'm, I was candidly a bit surprised to not see Katie Strang um, included in there, but sort of going backwards, she's she's not Canadian based, uh, and she's working for a um, working for a uh, publisher that's behind a paywall. So uh, I can understand why Rick may be a little bit a um, little bit sort of ha have received a little bit more of that um, publicity behind it. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely it's when you are the public town hall and the home for the you know the public conversation uh that conversation is not just goalie line goalies and starting lineups uh and i think that's that's a that's a really positive thing and a, and a, and a value that we can perform as a platform yeah this is terrific car listen thanks thanks so much for joining us i hope, hope you can hang around for the last 10 minutes because i want to uh i want to get into the lead item in the newsletter this week and and you might have some thoughts on it and sure just to set it up quickly in case you didn't have a chance to to read uh, uh gaming news canada this morning as i I had some time on my hands last Saturday night, still still trying to get over COVID. So uh, uh, in isolation, I actually, you know, had three and a half hours of watching the entire Hockey Night in Canada broadcast and, and did kind of a uh, non-scientific audit of the ad inventory for the evening. And again, what I've been wanting to do this for for a couple of months now in response to a lot of the conversation around the influx of sports book and gaming ads on on. Uh, television going back to the opening of the Ontario market in, in April. So basically just got a notepad out and charted the uh, charted the ads and the categories through the evening. And I'm, I'm hoping to get Amanda and Will and, and Mark to weigh in on this as, as well and Gavin. But, um, you know, just, just quickly, just looking at the, you know, the 64 brands on, on a Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, that includes a pregame show from 6.30 to 7 Eastern time. And I was actually a bit surprised, and uh, maybe Gavin, will, uh, he'll correct me on this. I was a bit surprised at how many brands actually do have exposure on a Hockey Night in Canada broadcast. But when you look at the major categories, um, uh, food and beverage brands kind of led, led the way in terms of getting the most ad mentions on the broadcast. I think 13, 13 brands, that's your, your Boston Pizzas and Tim Hortons and Wendy's. And, and uh, I think there was a skip the dishes as included in that as well with, with 24, 24 spots. Um, and then uh, kind of retail and, and other brands, which includes Rogers and, and the NHL. That was uh, 11 of those brands with, with 23 spots. 
um, the automotive brands and for that category also included the, I think there were like three Canadian tire spots in the broadcast and and so and, and a couple of tire companies so 11 brands in total and, and 20 odd spots and then looking at the uh, at the sports betting and gaming brands seven sports books in jackpot city had ad ads on the broadcast that also includes the OLG and, and, and 19 uh, 19 spots um, so it was really just, uh, I just wanted a chance to see, uh, you know, if, if the floor is really tilted in terms of the advertising. And Gavin, I'd love to start with you on this. Uh, I think you had a chance to look look at the numbers. Was there anything that, uh, that popped out to you? Or Yeah, uh, you know what, first of all, uh, sorry you had to go through that and <laughs> do that. Uh, that had to be a, a painful way of watching uh uh, a sporting event, but but uh, great little summary, and and I think it would have been surprising to many. It's not surprising to me that that the sports books haven't the way the the rhetoric, and you can you know even uh, Twitter um, you know conversations. Everybody's making like these shows are are an infomercial for um, eye gaming uh, operators uh, and sports books and. Uh, you know, I've said it. I've said exactly what your research has found is that uh, I bet you, if you sat back and counted, you would find more. Um, you know, restaurant and and food uh, brands advertising than you would sports books, and yet nobody complains about that. And yet, and and listen, I get that people critics are saying gambling is not good for you. Well, we've got you know a, an obesity and diabetic. Um, issue in this country as well. So, you know, it's, it's nobody complains about that. But, you know, one thing you'll notice the theme there is, is um, a lot of sponsors, a lot of NHL and team sponsors are backing up their sponsorships with advertising. It's a great way to activate and, and tell the story of their. So Hyundai's is an uh, NHL sponsor. You know, Canadian Tire's been a sponsor of hockey forever. Um, the books that are, that are advertising that are sponsors, Boston Pizza, a longtime sponsor of, of hockey. So Scotiabank, obviously. So it's a good strategy. Not surprised to see them all there. And the distribution makes a lot of sense. Those are categories with a lot of money, auto, food, snacks. And now, obviously, um, the operators join that, that party. Amanda, this is a topic that we've talked about frequently since we since we launched Twitter Spaces way back when, and and you and I have had either conversations in person, over the phone, or, or on email. So, uh, you know, again, was there any anything that struck you with with this the informal research that I did? Uh, no, just that you had the patience to complete it on a Saturday night. <laughs> so, my hats off to you. No, I mean, listen, we, we did have this conversation when the market first opened, and this is, you know, we've talked about this being the first time in a couple of years we've had a full sports season starting at the beginning of the season, um, and there are more operators than ever in the market, and they're legally allowed to advertise for the first time ever. So, you know, you will start seeing, I think, a slight uptick, but the truth of the matter is with the vast majority of operators in the market, and I've already said, we've got operators of all shapes and sizes, TV advertising is very expensive to undertake. Um, and it's not going to be a choice that every operator is going to make. So, you know, yeah, beginning of the season, it's not unusual that we we see the the amount that we do. But 
again, I mean, this is a conversation between the networks and the leagues and everybody else who has to come together and make responsible choices for how much they're going to allow to air in a, in a, in an hour, um, you know, or in a commercial block. So, you know, I think, you know, I'll reserve judgment until we're a little further into the sports season, but for now, I don't think there's reason to, you know, raise tons of alarm bells. Cause you know, I keep going back, you look at the number of operators in the market and what you're seeing on your TV screen is a very small percentage of, of the because it is prohibitively expensive to do this kind of advertising. Yep, very good point. Uh, Will Hill, I'd be remiss if I didn't solicit your opinion on this. Yeah, I, I love that what you've done is put down empirically what I've been suggesting anecdotally for some time in that all the people with the Twitter backlash that are saying, oh, all I'm seeing is nothing but sports betting ads. Well, that's not entirely true. Um, it's that, you know, we become inured over time to ads from the big banks and the big automotive makers and the fast food chains. Um, and so those drift by and don't really capture our attention. Uh, but because we've really only had uh, legalized sports betting, uh, absent OLG, since April 4th, um, the sports book ads, the iGaming ads, are creating that much more of an, an impression um, and are making an impression on people who might be otherwise antagonistic to the idea of gambling as a form of entertainment for moral reasons, for religious reasons, personal reasons. They know a problem gambler. Um, so they're that much more sensitive to it. Over time, um, I think two things will happen. One, that backlash will subside as people see this as an acceptable form of, of entertainment that actually delivers uh, money to provincial priorities through the, uh, the, the uh, Ministry of Finance. Um, and also, uh, some of the advertisers, when they get to, or some of the sports books, when they get to a place where uh, they're comfortable with, with their customer level, uh, and aren't as focused on acquisition as they are on retention, uh, there might actually be a pullback on, on the advertising levels. So um, this was this was delightful in so much as it played entirely to my own personal confirmation bias. So thank you most graciously. Well, we, we aim to please well. Um, I'm going to give Mark Silva the last word here because I, I know Mark Mark has some thoughts on this. I think it's still early days, everyone. We talk about this week week to week, and we we all have to be, you know, a little patient with how this is going to play out. We hope that, you know, the regulator doesn't change the rules and uh, there aren't restrictions on advertising. And, and so far, based on the, you know, the great work of Steve the other night, we, we have a, a clear picture that maybe sports betting isn't so in our face as maybe some people are thinking it was. But for now, because it's new, I think we just have to accept that it's going to stand out. And until more of the operators have familiar faces kind of in those promos as celebrities and advocates and ambassadors. It's going to be a shock to see some of those people on our screens, especially during our precious hockey night in Canada broadcasts. Uh, the, the, the one, the one thought I'll add Mark is that I, I was kind of surprised in those 23 spots and unless I, I missed it, that there wasn't a reference to responsible gambling. And I, I would suggest that's, that's a missed, a missed opportunity. But, but again, that's something that will, as you mentioned, and, and Amanda will is still very early and, and we're going to see how that all evolves. Let's, let's wrap it up there. Just uh, oh, let me, let me throw one plug in on, on the topic of responsible gambling before we wrap. Oh yes, please. For those people that are listening, um, in a couple weeks here in Toronto, the Responsible Gambling Council is throwing what is the preeminent conference for RG uh, in Canada. 
um, at the Vantage venue. Um, so if you go to the Responsible Gambling Council's homepage, you can be directed to Discovery 2022. Um, I, I've heard that they are very near capacity. Uh, they do offer both in-person and online ticket capabilities, so you can actually listen to some of the panels. Um, the online, of course, is, is much cheaper than the in-person registration. Um, so do please check that out, Discovery 2022. I, I'm quite proud to say uh, Sightline Payments is a sponsor of uh, Discovery 2022, and we're looking forward to participating. One of our executives is speaking on one of the panels. Great. Thanks. Well, yeah, there is a there is a link to the uh, the registration page at responsiblegamblingcouncil.com in the uh, coming soon to your screen slash town section of the newsletter. So you can also you can try to register uh, that way as well. Listen, thanks so much, everybody. Just just a great hour this week. And, and can't uh, Will Hill and Amanda Brewer. Thank you so much for, for being with us, as always. And Connor Clarence from from Twitter Canada for for hopping on and, and speaking with us. And Gavin and Mark always appreciate you guys and, and your your insight and and uh, opinions. I also want to thank Anthony Ciccone from from Anthem Sports and Entertainment for for hopping on to, to talk about uh, the Game Plus partnership with Parlay Media Group. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. That, that's it for this week. Um, as always, please please follow us on Twitter at uh, Gaming News CA. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter Gaming News Canada on Substack. Uh, we will be, uh, Mark Silver will be hard at work this weekend, converting this Twitter spaces into a, into a podcast for early next week. So again, you can find the podcast on, on Substack and we'll place it on our social media channels early next week. Uh, please everybody enjoy the, the last weekend of, uh, of October, uh, for, for the folks that have children who are going to be out Halloween night, please, uh, please be safe. And if you're out there driving on the streets, please uh, keep an eye out for, for the little goblins and witches and, and um, Care Bears and anybody else out there in costume. And uh, we will get together and do this all over again in seven days' time. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show, a Parlay Media Group production. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca. Follow Gaming News CA on Twitter to join the live audience and DM us if you're interested in sponsorship or being a featured guest.